Hello you guys, it's Katie and welcome back to another episode of Crime and Crochet. In today's episode, I'm going to be covering the case of the Supel family murders. And just to let you know, this is a story of a man killing his entire family. So kind of a Chris Watts situation, which I'm sure you guys know that case. So if this episode is going to be hard for you to listen to in any way, I would suggest going ahead and clicking off now. But with that, let's just get into this. The Supel family lived in Iowa City, Iowa, and it was made up of Stephen Supel, the father, Cheryl Supel, his wife, they were both 42, and their four adopted children from South Korea. Ian was 10, Seth was 8, Myra was 6, and Eleanor was 3. The father, Stephen Supel, was born and raised in the St. Mary's Catholic Church. He grew up in the church, married in the church, even had all of his children baptized in the church. And he was born on August 13th, 1965, the son of William and Patricia. And he graduated from high school and the University of Iowa and then went on to marry Cheryl, and they married in 1990. For work, Stephen was an executive at the Hills Bank and Trust Company, but in February, he was charged with stealing $559,040 from the bank, so he was obviously let go, but he did plead not guilty, to embezzlement and money laundering on February 20th of 2008. And just for perspective, these murders occurred in March of 2008, so just two months after, and the trial was set for April. So the month before his trial, he ends up killing his family and himself which, of course, we're going to get into those details. I'm just trying to go in chronological order to hopefully make everything make sense. There was a letter that Stephen wrote, and a lot of the information that is known about the case is from that letter. So a lot of the information that we know is according to him. So he did make the remark that his family would be better off the way that he ended the family instead of enduring the pressures and challenges that would come because of the charges against him. Which is absolutely crazy to think that your family and yourself is better off dead than living because you embezzled money from your workplace, but okay, anyway. So now that we have all of the background information kind of laid out of why Stephen might have done this, which obviously there's never any good reason, but going past that, we're going to go through the timeline of the murders. 
So on Easter Sunday night, which in 2008 was on March 23rd, was when Stephen killed his family. So we did talk about earlier how the Supel family was very religious and very involved in the St. Mary's Catholic Church that they went to. So of course, since that day was Easter Sunday in the morning, they did attend Easter Mass at their church. And then the next known thing that they did was 8 p.m. that Sunday night, a family friend stopped by at their home and visited with Stephen and the friend saw one of the children but did not note anything unusual, didn't think anything at the time. At 11.30 p.m. that night, Stephen leaves a message for his father and brother at their law firm and in it he says that the family is in heaven and it is believed that his wife had been killed by then but they think that the children were still alive at this point. So at some point between 11.30 on Sunday and 3.45 a.m. on Monday, which this is according to Stephen's letter, he had the four children go into the family van with him that was parked in the garage, and he tried to kill himself and the four children by carbon monoxide poisoning, which, if you don't know, that is some of the gases that come out of the car. If you keep the garage door down and everything, you can die from carbon monoxide poisoning. Now, that's how he was trying to kill himself and the children. When that didn't work, he had the children go back into the house and he bludgeoned them to death with baseball bats they found two different baseball bats at the scene and the three oldest children were found in their bedrooms and the youngest was found in their playroom downstairs so on monday at 3 45 a.m stephen leaves a message at his office of his former employer so at hills bank and details have never been released on what was actually in that message so I don't know if he confessed or what happened or if he just called them to say I did embezzle all of that money or whatever happened we don't know but just five minutes later at 3 50 a.m. Stephen leaves a message on his home answering machine expressing his regret so maybe he is remorseful for killing his family I'm not sure. Maybe he just wanted the police and everybody to think that he was actually remorseful. So just 11 minutes later at 4.01 a.m., Stephen leaves a second message on his home answering machine. And in that, he says that he tried to drown himself in the Iowa River, but he kept floating. So that's just a little bit creepy to say the least but at 6 31 a.m is when he actually calls 911 and the way the 911 call goes is like bone chilling it just like it's really creepy but i'm gonna read to you exactly what it says 
So at 6.31 on Monday morning, he calls 911. The dispatcher says this is 911, location of your emergency. Nobody says anything, so they say hello. And he says, am I talking to Iowa City? The dispatcher says, no, this is... And then kind of stops and says, where, what is your location of the emergency? And he says, Iowa City, Iowa. Dispatcher says, what's your address? And he says, the address, 629 Barrington Road. Please go there immediately. And the dispatcher says, what's going on there? And he hangs up. So that 911 call to me is crazy if you're actually worried about your family and he actually feels remorseful he first off should have called way beforehand second off I guess he was just trying for two and a half hours because from four to six thirty is the time between the second message on the answering machine and the 911 call so I guess for those two hours, he was trying to figure out how to kill himself. So all of that is just crazy. And if he actually does feel remorseful, like he said he did on the message on the answering machine, then wouldn't you think he would have called before, turned himself in, whatever it was. But anyway, in my eyes, he was not actually remorseful because what he did to me shows he wasn't. Just five minutes after that 911 call comes through, Stephen successfully commits suicide by driving his car into a pillar on Interstate 80 outside of Iowa City. Now, witnesses say that the driver was driving at high speeds and seemed to deliberately crash into the concrete pillar. So, I'm sure that he did do that on purpose because... He said that he tried to drown himself, and he tried to kill himself and the children beforehand. So, he was trying to kill himself. So, I'm sure that that was his way of doing it, and that was the way that actually worked out of the ways that he had already tried. So, with that, I mean, that's basically the end of the story, because there's no trial or anything. I mean, once they figured out... He had done it and he killed himself. There's not much else they could do other than lay the bodies to rest and hope that man goes to hell is all I can say. But with that, we are going to move on to this week's crochet pattern since that is the end of this true crime story. So the crochet pattern for this week is actually an ebook called You Can Filet Crochet 2, and it has all the resources and instructions to learn filet crochet for beginners and two crochet patterns included. The first one is filet crochet sampler throw, and the second one is flower garden table runner. And her ebook is 20% off right now for my audience, so make sure you go check her out. Her Instagram page, which I didn't say earlier for some reason, is at yarn in me. So Y A R N N M E. And as normal for all of the crochet patterns that I share on this podcast, 
if you would like to see pictures of them or check out the crochet creator that I have mentioned, you can head over to my Instagram, which is at crocheting all one word, and you can see the pictures of those two crochet patterns, as well as pictures of the case that I am talking about, and you can also see my sources over there, so I highly recommend you checking that out. If you'd like to check out the crochet pattern, and again, make sure you check her out. Her ebook is 20% off right now for my audience. So if you want to get some more information on that, you can head over to her Instagram or my Instagram and her Instagram will be tagged on there. Again, it's probably just easier if you go to mine, which is at crime and crochet, and all the information will be posted on the day that this episode goes up. So with all of that, thank you all so much for listening. And if you do want to know how you can best help me out, the first thing, like I mentioned, would be to go over to the Instagram, which is again at Crime and Crochet, and follow me over there. That way you get updates on future podcast episodes. You also get to tell me which cases you'd like to see on future podcast episodes, and you get to see pictures from the crimes as well as pictures of the crochet patterns that I am shouting out each week. So that is one way you can help me out. And another way is to leave a five-star review for the podcast on whatever podcast platform you are listening on. And that also helps me out so much. So I really appreciate it. With that, I hope you guys will tune in to the next episode next Saturday of crime and crochet and make sure that you are staying safe out there so you don't become one of these victims that we talk about each week and with that goodbye y'all